morning. Good morning, everyone. So glad to be with each of you here this morning as we kick off this new series called How to Neighbor. My name is Katie Griffin, and I'm one of the pastors here at Highlands, and I'm just so thankful for Beth. Beth, you did such a fantastic, where'd you go? I'm trying to get your face. There we are. Okay. You did such a fantastic job. Thank you for the update of from the PNC and how close we are to, um, and just you're very articulate. So thank you so much for that and giving us that news. And so you guys are in for a treat over these next four weeks as we dive into this new series. And so I really encourage you to invite a friend or how about invite a neighbor <laughs> as we get going. So today we're going to start this series with um, the message is going to be entitled Loving the Lonely. And next week we're going to be inviting back Pastor Bobby DeLancelotti. Do you remember him? Yeah, he's fantastic. He is always full of energy, and he is going to be talking on empowering the poor. Here at Highlands, we are a community focused, when, and we're, we're community focused, and we have many mission partners, not only here within our community, but also globally. And we, and one of our local mission uh, partners that we have is that here at Highlands, our very own mission ministry is the Samaritan Fund. And so, as you can tell, this is very close to our hearts. And so, all of us want to make a difference in those lives of people who are in need. And we want to do more than just help those who are struggling. We want to empower them to take the steps out of poverty into the life that God has designed for him, for him or her. And so, that's where Bobby's going in week two. And then next, the next week, and then on week three, we're going to get here from our youth pastor here, Kevin, and he's going to be speaking on how we are created for community. And people need you in their lives, right? People need you and you need them. And how to be in community here at Highlands. And so that leads us right into our fall kickoff, which will be that very day. So that'll be kind of exciting, all kind of wrapped up in one. And lastly, we will round out the series with Pastor Jim as he speaks on who to neighbor, that each of us are made in God's image, correct? And so in that, your neighbor may look different, they may cook different foods, they may speak a different language, however, we are all from the same God. And so everyone... This is, I don't know if we have time to do this right now, but it's kind of funny. So, so how is this? get out your phones, right? Make sure you're marking your calendars or whatever you have to set your track. And make sure you're here every Sunday for the next four weeks because we are going to have an awesome time during this series. All right, maybe not get out your phones. Just do it later. Okay. <laughs> So today, as I said, we're going to take a look at loving the lonely. And we recognize that loneliness is actually a major cultural problem in our world today. You may say, now that's, wow, Katie, that's a pretty big statement you're making there, but it's true. And so much so that they have actually come up with a new term for our generation, and it's called relational poverty. The definition of relational poverty is this. It is lacking the intimacy and the connections to live a meaningful life. So basically, you may have, this is kind of what that means. So basically, you may have people all around you, but you don't feel like people care. Or you may have people all around you, but you don't really feel like there's anybody that you can open up to. 
or you may have people all around you, but there's no one that you can really trust. Oh, and we could probably keep going on this. Or you may have people all around you, but there's no one that can really be present with you. And so as I was looking into this topic, I found some interesting facts. There was a survey done by, in 2010 by AARP, and it said this, that, we, that they had learned that one in every three adults age 45 or older reported being chronic, chronically lonely. Isn't that interesting? Another interesting thing is that what they say about emotional isolation or this lack of relational poverty is ranked as high a risk factor for mortality as smoking. Doesn't that just blow your mind? I'm like, what? A partial list of physical diseases that are thought to be caused or brought on by loneliness include Alzheimer's, obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, neurodegenerative types of diseases, and cancer. That is a big list. So with that out there existing, then us as a church, what are we doing about it? What are we doing about it? What are we called by God to do? And so here are four theories in which social experts have found as to why relational poverty exists today. The first is the breakdown of families. Divorce statistics are now higher than they have been in any other time in our history. Basically, 55% of all new marriages will, at this point, this is a new statistic out, 55% of all new marriages will end in divorce. Meaning half of all children born today will experience family breakdown by the age of 16. What happens in broken families are relationships begin to scatter. And kids have to move to new schools and they might have to move to new homes, and their neighborhoods are changing often, right? And so that kind of leads into our second reason. The second reason for relational poverty is this, is increased mobility, meaning people don't live in the same house as they used to. How many of your grandparents or your parents or people that you know used to live in the same house for 50 years or more? My grandma did. Both of my grandparents did. My grandma, actually, this is totally off of it. Anyways, my grandma back in Missouri, my grandma and grandpa, they lived in a one-bedroom house, raised five children for 55 years. That's crazy. My family, we are lucky to get past two years. I mean, my current family, we get past two years and we're like, we've done good, you know? But you see what I mean? It's that mobility that causes that relational poverty in a sense. Now, the third thing is defined as a heavier workload, right? So are you ever in a conversation with others and it kind of goes something like this? Hey, how are you doing today? Busy, right? And you answer back to them, how are you doing? Busy. We're so busy. And again, as I'm preaching here today, and as I, every time God has me preach here, I'm learning something about myself. And so, and so we cannot connect on a deeper level with one another when we are busy. Any guess of the last one before I even head there? Anyone? Oh, you nailed it. Okay. The fourth is social media. You see, you might have 100 Facebook friends but you might not even have one single person to go to dinner with. 
Now, don't get me wrong, social media is good. I'm very thankful for it. But however, it cannot replace face-to-face -face conversations. And the three things that we're going to focus on today as we head into the scripture, it cannot replace how we are going to love the lonely. What God has called us to do is the way that we do that is by touch, listening, and time. And so we're going to head right into the scripture today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me with there to the book of Matthew, and we're going to look in chapter 8, verses 1 to about 3. If not, we have them up on the screen for you. And I just want to give you kind of, kind of set it up a little bit where Matthew was and kind of where Jesus was before he did this particular thing here, this miracle. He was in chapter 5, I believe, 5 all the way through 8. He had gone up on this mountainside, and he had got to the mountainside, and he began teaching. And that's where he started off with the Beatitudes, and he began teaching how you should live and what your attitude should be like. And then story from chapter 5, all the stories. He's teaching, 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 teaching. And then he comes down off of the mountainside, and then he gives us, right before he comes down, I really want to say this one, the last one actually in chapter 7, he talks about the wise and foolish builders. And when he was talking about it here, he said this, he said, um, whoever hears my word and puts them into practice will be like this wise man who built their house upon a rock. And so I just think that is a great reminder, right? As we hear God's word this morning, that we might be able to hear it and and put some activity to it. Do you know what I mean? It is as if we built our home upon a rock. And so here we go. Chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. When he came down from that mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said. That was Jesus. And then Jesus says, be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. This is the word of God. Let us pray here this morning. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for each and every person in here today. I thank you for this topic, that you could teach us how to love the lonely through our time, through our touch, and through our ears and listening. Father God, I again ask that you would bring your Holy Spirit here at this moment and that you would give us all ears to hear of your word here for us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So perhaps you have heard this story and before, and it really truly is a miracle. Being a leper was a very lonely existence. You were an outcast. When people actually would walk by you and they knew they could probably physically see that you were a leper, they would shout out, unclean, unclean. You were co considered contagious, and you were very contagious. So the thought that someone may, would ever touch you again was something that one with leprosy would probably would never think of. The disease would actually had this very foul odor, and it was basically your body was decaying from the inside out. And so they were put in these separate areas far away from town on purpose, never to have contact with anyone else. So could you imagine the loneliness they must have felt? Here, this man having, I love this story because here this man has the courage, right? 
to kneel at Jesus' feet and ask him if he was willing. And this man knew the significance of what he was asking Jesus to do, and he knew of Jesus' power when he said, you can make me clean. It, It kind of almost testifies to this man's faith. And so what we know is that during all of Jesus' healings, most of his healings were, were done by, were, did he touch everybody? No. He would, he would just do it vocally, and it would be done. And so here Jesus does the unthinkable. He approaches the man, he reaches out his hand, and he touched the man. He was healed instantly. So did he have to? Did he have to touch him? No. He did it because he did it as an example for us. And the power of touch in one's life. And so you might say, well, what does that look for us? What does that look like for us? And I think what it looks like for us, it looks like this is able to say, and you see someone's able to say, reach out and shake their hand. In our society, that's like acceptable, right? <laughs> we can shake one another's hand. And maybe perhaps it, maybe it's, it's a hug, when you know the person, or you can just tell that person needs a hug, or maybe it's a smile, or maybe it's just putting your hand on their shoulder as they're going through, through many, many things. Because touch is the first sense, actually, that we acquire as infants, and perhaps could be the most powerful tool to building successful relationships. And so by the power of touch, you have the ability to neighbor well. Now, the next thing is show, to show God, people God's love is by listening. I have learned through, that listening is an art in relationships. It requires one to put others first, to not be quick to speak, or while one is talking, be already thinking of a rebuttal or a solution to what they're talking about, right? It requires you to be still and present, to listen with your whole body. And now you might say, well, how is that? What do, what do you mean listening with my, I got ears. That's what they're for. <laughs> but there's more to it. It requires, it means your face and your body is open. And it says, I'm interested in what you're saying. Your eye contact is focused, but it's not a stare contest, right? That makes people uncomfortable. Don't do that. <laughs> but it doesn't mean like this, right? People are trying to share something with you and you're like, yeah, whatever, you know? That's not good. So it means putting all other things aside, all other distractions. Have you ever been talking to somebody, and I'm guilty of this, but have you ever been talking to somebody and they're on their phone and they're like scrolling through all like Instagram, wow, that's cute, Um, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. Pinterest and that like that, and you're like trying to have a conversation with them. And do they seem like they're distracted? Yeah. Are you really listening to them? Maybe, but probably not. You're not fully engaged. And so as you listen in, it requires what? Focus and concentration. Once the person has spoke, you have, you can actively listen. And then what you can do is you, when you're actually actively listening, you can actually provide feedback, right? Now, sometimes though, men, your wives are going to say, I don't want you to give me feedback. I want you to just listen to me. (laughs) I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to listen. Some people do want that. But when you're actually listening and present with somebody, then you're able to give back some feedback to like, I hear you saying this, or um, I'm sorry what that, how that made you feel. 
right? So that tells them that you value them. And I always, I like this quote. I read it this week. I don't know if Ben said it or somebody else said it too. But um, remember, when God created us, he gave us how many ears? One, two. How many mouths? One. (laughs) So we're here to listen. God's word says this well in the book of James 1.19. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The Lord instructs us to listen, and when we do, we love others, and we neighbor well. Now, the third thing we can do is to give our time. Now, this is big because in our Western culture, time is rare. Do you agree? One of the mottos, am I saying that right? I practiced it like four times. Mottos. Okay, <laughs> one of the mottos is, is this, time is money, right? You probably hear this in business a lot, especially like Starbucks, like, come on, get them in the line, get them out, they can buy more of that, you know? <laughs> but I think that we live by it. We are rushed and consumed by many things. And I'm often reminded of the gift of time and relationships when I travel to other countries. The pace slows down. They are more concerned with building relationships than building their portfolio. So how can we give our time away? Perhaps it's, maybe maybe this is what we need. Perhaps it's setting aside that time in your schedule or in your calendar to say, I'm going to pick out that person that I know that might just need an extra love this week and going to have coffee with them or calling them on the phone or just being present in their life. And so when you give of your time, it says to others, what? That you're valuable and that you care. That they're valuable and that you're, but you're valuable too. So, but you know what I, okay. <laughs> and the last thing with this is, don't let the urgent crowd out the important. And so, again, we see a wonderful example of this, Jesus, of Jesus spending time with people in the Gospel of Mark. In chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, it's right here. When he says this, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. The disciples were like, hey, hey, hey. He's important. Get these kids away from him. And so when Jesus saw this, I love this word. He says, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms. He put his hands on them and he blessed them. Huh, what an example. Here Jesus goes opposite of culture and says, these kids have value and I want to spend time with them. And they truly have the key to kingdom living. And then He goes an extra mile, and not only does he spend time with them, he's actually, like, loving on them. He's listening to them. He's putting his arms around them. You see, we love and we neighbor well by giving of our time. Now, as I conclude here this morning, I wanted to share with you an experience I had in my life when I found these three things that we have been learning about this morning, the touch, listening, and time. To be ever so real and loving people for God. 
I, uh, going through high school, I attended Roy Grande High School. Go Eagles! Um, <laughs> I'm too old to say that. Anyway, so, uh, uh, I attended Roy Grande High School, and I think it was my senior year, I want to say my senior year, and they offered a program for those interested in becoming a nurse, like going to college to become a nurse, that you could get your CNA, which is a certified nursing assistant license, right there in high school. And I'm like, sign me up. So the first semester, you did the classes and the schooling, and you took that. And at the end, once you got your little certificate, then you, they gave you a job. So the next semester, you worked at the local convalescent home. And so there I was, 17 years old, working at this convalescent home. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And what came to know is that the um, nurses there were... Um, they saw me, and they said, wow, she can talk a lot, and she, uh, she can also, um, she just has this kind of sweet spirit about her, and so they said, Katie, would you mind, uh, there's a patient in room 79, he's dying, and we need you to just go and hold his hand, and I was like, I will, I'll do it. And I went in there, and I remember, and this is several times over that semester doing this with other people, but just when people are dying, what they want to know is that there's someone there, that there's someone present, that there's someone holding their hand. And then they said, why don't you just talk, Katie, because they want to hear your voice, right? And so no problem there. So... (laughs) It was whatever I needed to say about the whole day. And then just, and of course they weren't being able to reply back, but it was about being present, right? It was about loving them the way that God loves us. It's about neighboring well. And then, and then from then, that would be just one of my things. And then another thing, they would just like, hey, the lady down in bed 54, she's lonely. Can you go sit with her and maybe listen to her story? Like, are you kidding? Okay. And I would hear amazing stories. I'd hear stories about how they grew up and how they were once like Rosie the Riveter. Are you kidding? I get to meet someone that actually did that? And, and so, or stories about, you know, their garden or what they did for, and I just enjoyed every single minute of it. And so I feel like that was God teaching me. That was God teaching me and growing me and helping me. So I just cherish every single one of those moments. You see, our neighbor isn't just the one who lives next to us. It's those that you come in contact every day. It's the person riding next to you on a bus. It's the coworker who seems distant. It's the relative who is just in need of a phone call. So I say this, let us be the church who loves the lonely. And I'm going to end with this quote, and he is the best neighbor expert ever. His name is Mr. Rogers. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if you know, but he was an ordained Presbyterian pastor. And so here's what he says. I believe that appreciation is a holy thing. That when we look for what's best in the person we happen to be with at that moment, we're doing what God does. So in loving our neighbor, we're participating in something truly sacred. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for 
that you've given us so many examples through your word, how we can love well. Lord, that you would put those people in front of us this week, or maybe you've already put some in our minds now as we hear this message. Father, how we could reach out and love the lonely. And maybe if people are sitting here and they're lonely, Lord God, that they would feel love this week. That they would know that their creator loves them immensely. Father God, again, thank you. Thank you for your holy presence here this morning. Be with each and every person this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.